you're wondering, they're both coffee. Yeah. I don't have anything funny to say at the start of this sermon. So we'll just get to it, I guess, eh? Let's pray. God, you're so good. And um, Father, may this time just be a, a time of uh, refocusing our, our eyes on you today. Father, um, in, this, in this passage we see the conflict of two agendas. Your agenda and then people's agenda. So Father, would you, um, would you help us in this? I think it's um, I think it's a challenge for for all of us to to really um, work our agenda around yours. In fact, but that's what you call us to. So, Father, would you uh, would you give us humility? And would, Father, would you just give us oodles of that incredible grace that you have? In Jesus' name, Amen. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time with parents and their children to notice that often their ideals are quite different. You know, maybe you could accredit uh, many of these differences to generational things or uh, growing up in a different decade. Or maybe it's the whole sphere of influence or the, the influence of social media on our young people. Uh, it could be a whole bunch of different factors, but I think the point of the matter is that you see from parents to children this often a, a pretty strong intersection uh, of worldviews and, and how they, they approach life. And in chapter 9 especially, you really, in, in Luke, um, you really start to see Jesus' worldview, how, how Jesus views God. I mean, Jesus is God. How Jesus, whatever. <laughs> and but then how 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 the disciples view Jesus, and you see these two ideas, and they converge, and especially in today's passage, they're they're at odds. In chapter nine, we start to see the two agendas collide: Jesus' agenda and people's agenda. People's agenda is that Jesus is a super cool healer. He's this going to be king is what the disciples are expecting. He's almost like this rock star, rock star personality. And Jesus is all of those things, but the disciples don't understand the way of Jesus, like Jesus' way of getting there is quite different than what they are picturing or imagining. You see, on the top of Jesus' agenda was his appointment with the cross. That was Jesus' focus. That's where his vision was set. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jesus' disciples, their, their gaze was set on Jesus as setting up a kingdom on earth and getting rid of the oppression that their nation was experiencing. What happens in Luke chapter 9? Well, um, the disciples have a really bright moment where Peter confessed, he realizes that Jesus is the Messiah. It's like he had a light bulb moment, and it was this moment of, I don't know, divine revelation, brilliance. 
But then following that, there's a series of faith breakdowns or, or failures for the disciples to really grasp who Jesus is. What happens in chapter 9? Jesus gets transfigured, so they see how Jesus truly is without the, the, um, the mask that is his, his physical flesh. Um, and we start to see this dramatic mood change in Jesus. All of a sudden in chapter 9 we have, I mean, this will, this will be the third time that Jesus is specifically talking about his death. You start to see this change in Jesus that he is, I mean, he's still going about doing healings and, and preaching and, and these sort of things, but all of a sudden Jesus' focus and his attention is really drawn to the cross, to where he's going. And the disciples don't really like it. You see Jesus talk about his, his death three times. It happens, um, verse 21, it happens, he's talking to Moses and Elijah on the mountain about Jesus' departure, his death. And also, again, in today's passage, Luke, 37, Luke 9, verse 37. All of a sudden, the disciples are starting to see that Jesus is a little bit different than they expected. And even it, John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are, are you sure you're the Messiah? Because people's perception of what Jesus should be was different than what he actually was. So, why don't we open up our Bibles, turn on your Bible apps, or look at the screen. Luke 9, verse 37 to 45 is our passage today. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seized him, and he suddenly cries out, it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him, he will, it will, and it will hardly leave him. And I beg your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to, to bear and be with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying. It was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. You see, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they, they come down from this mountaintop experience. I mean, Steve actually preached on quite a bit of what I'm going to talk about today. So if you see overlaps or if you don't like what I'm saying, just go online, listen to Steve's sermon again today. It's, it's all there. But... Um, the disciples came down from this mountaintop experience. They saw Jesus for who he really was. And they come down, and the next day they're confronted with a problem. 
I, I, I looked at this problem uh, that the disciples encounter, and it's almost like this customer service problem. The, the dad is asking for the manager. So if you know anything about, or if you know anything about, yeah, all of us know about eating in a restaurant, and if you encounter a large problem, or if you're at a retail store, if you can't encounter a large problem, what's the power you have as the customer? To ask for the manager, right? I'd like to speak to your manager. I'm going above your head, right? What, what, why do we do that? Because we feel that there's a problem that our server or the customer service representative can't handle, right? So I'm going above your head. I'm going to talk to your manager. See, the disciples, they needed Jesus to heal this boy. They needed their manager to take care of this issue. But they did not require Jesus to actually be physically present for this boy to be healed. Whoa. You see, Jesus is the source of salvation, the source of healing, the source of deliverance. But we see in chapter 9 already that Jesus had already given his disciples the power to deal with this demon. So if you look, 9 verse 1, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Isn't that interesting? You see, somewhere along the lines, the disciples had given up the authority that Jesus had already given them. And you know, I, I'm, I was just amazed by how Jesus handles the situation. He's so gracious to his disciples. I mean, sure, he calls them out on their uh, lack of faith. But he steps in and he, and he still heals the boy. He still offers that salvation to the boy. But he also deals with the unbelief in his disciples. In Matthew chapter 17, it's a par- there's a parallel account to this. Uh, it offers quite a few more details of this story. So if you want to, um, you can look there if you want. I, I won't be reading from it today, though. Um, Jesus further explains the disciples' unbelief in that he says that this type of spirit, this type of demon can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Isn't that interesting? I mean, uh, were the disciples supposed to like heal this boy in between meals or something like that? Because like they, they, were, they were in the middle of the problem, right? And Jesus says, yo, you need to be pray, praying and fasting. It's like, well, I fast every day between lunch and dinner. <laughs> or my longest fast between dinner and breakfast. Yeah. Hey, it's called even break fast. How about that, eh? No, that's not really what Jesus is saying, and I think we all know that. Um, Jesus is saying that they need to be in a place of prayer and fasting. They need to be in a place of readiness, a place of intimacy with the Father. Jesus wasn't saying, okay, you need to quickly leave and, and fast for you know a couple minutes and then come back. Jesus was saying, actually, you need to be drawing from me. You need to come and draw near to me. It's interesting, you read the Gospels and you, it's actually incredible once you start to take note of it how many times Jesus leaves everything behind, 
Often he climbs a mountain or goes into a garden, a place of silence, just to be with his, his father, just to be with God. It's quite astounding, Jesus' prayer life, and Jesus is inviting his disciples into that sort of intimacy with God. He's inviting them to regularly meet with God through prayer and fasting so that they can continue to walk in faith with God. They continue to have this, um, to be able to extend God's grace to other people. So, now here's the, the personal question. Is there a chance that we sometimes experience roadblocks in our prayers like the disciples because of our lack of faith? Now, let me guess. I mean, um, there might be some red flags flying at that one. I, I know uh, many of us have encountered some abuse of that type, that line of thinking. Um, however, maybe... Oh, I'll give you an example first. I, I, was, um, I heard of a story where a man, he went, he traveled to see a, a person who had the gift of healing. And um, lots of cool things um, with God happened around that moment, but the person did not get healed. He returned back to his home church, and then they asked him if he didn't have enough faith to get healed, right? So that, that's not exactly what I'm, what I'm saying here. But I think there's this, this idea in the scriptures that, that there's this connection between our faith and, and this connection between God meeting us. So, maybe God not answering a prayer isn't condemnation. Maybe it's an invitation into prayer and fasting. Maybe it's an invitation to get to know Jesus better. Is Jesus inviting us to know him more through pure perseverance? And steadfastness. Sometimes Jesus will not answer your prayer in a second, but maybe he'll answer your prayer in a year, or maybe in 10 years, or maybe in 25 years. I want you to imagine uh, your, your children asking for something. And I know as, I'm not a parent, um, but I know I would often ask my parents for things. And parents love to give gifts to their, parents, to their kids. Like, that's a great, a great thing. It's a good thing. But often, parents will withhold gifts from their kids. Why? So as not to spoil them, maybe? Or maybe so as not to... Um, maybe they want to teach their kids something. Maybe they want to teach their kid that they actually need to work hard for something. For me, when I was in grade five, yeah, I started asking my parents. No, no, it was earlier than that. I started, I, I took four years of piano lessons. And I took four years of piano lessons because I wanted to play guitar. So, yeah, I know. Yeah, so I asked my parents for a guitar. And, and they said, uh, well, why don't you take a few years of piano and then we'll see. Actually, they said, I think they said one year. I think they said one year. It ended up being four. Uh, but every year I would ask them, could I have a guitar? Can I play a guitar now? No, why don't you just take another year of piano? So, I mean, I enjoyed piano. I love piano as much as the next person, maybe even more than, as much, more than the next person, but um, I wanted to play guitar. So I kept asking my parents, and eventually one Christmas I received a guitar, and I know my parents, they had been afraid 
that they had seen lots of people receive a guitar, you know, for Christmas or for their birthday or something, and then, you know, oh, this is really difficult, and then the kids just drop it, right? Uh, that's what they were concerned about. So they wanted to see if this was actually something I wanted to do. Um, but it was something I really wanted to do. And when I got that guitar, let me tell you, I was a guitar player. If you ask me what I did in high school, I played guitar. Like, that is, that is just what I did. And it was like, it's interesting because there was this time of me pressing in, pressing in, pressing in, asking my parents, you know, can I have a guitar? Maybe this year, can I have a guitar? Is this time of pushing, and then when, when my parents gave me the guitar, it was just like, I was so grateful, and I just started playing, right? So it's interesting. Is maybe Jesus not answering our prayer in the exact moment that we would like it, an invitation to press in even more? Another thing I want to draw us into in this passage is, the problem that the, the disciples see is not the same problem that Jesus sees. You see, the disciples are confronted with someone that they can't heal, uh, a demon that they can't cast out of, of this boy. But Jesus looks at the situation, and, and that's not the problem Jesus sees. The problem that Jesus sees is unbelief. The problem that Jesus sees is that his disciples have lost some of their faith. You see, God, while he is very much concerned about healing, he is very much concerned about all of these things, he is primarily concerned about restoring relationship, restoring the heart of people to him. That's God's primary concern. You know, and if you even think about the people who Jesus healed, all of those people would have died at some point, right? We don't have any 2,000-year-old people walking around here. Even the people who met Jesus physically and had their physical ailments healed, that eventually came to a close, right? They, they got 80, 90, 100 years old, and, and then they passed away. You see, even healing is temporary in nature. But God's heart is to restore our hearts to his. The real issue that Jesus is identifying here is that disciples did not pair the truth they knew the truth they had received about Jesus with faith. And it's interesting, ironically, on Monday, I wrote a long sermon outline about, about the connection about faith and healing and how that works and what happens when we pray for something and it doesn't. I wrote this long sermon about healing. It was like a two-page just outline. And ironically, on Thursday, I found out it's like, that's not the point of this passage at all. So, Maybe next time. <laughs> Hebrews 4 verse 2 mentions that Israel in the same way heard God's voice but didn't enter the promised land because they didn't pair what they heard with faith. They didn't press in. So why does God keep telling his people to press into faith? It's because he just wants relationship with them. It's, this situation is just like Peter walking on water. It's interesting. Peter calls out, there, the disciples are on a boat. It's stormy, and they see Jesus in the distance walking on the water. And Peter cries out to Jesus, Lord, um, so I'm summarizing, so this is not a quote at all. But Peter asks to join Jesus out on the water, and Jesus says, come. And in that moment, in that moment where Jesus says, come to me, Peter had 
the ability to walk on water. And actually the ability to be able to meet Jesus out on the water. At that moment, Peter had everything he needed to go out and meet Jesus. But he hit this roadblock of doubt. He hit this roadblock of, oh no, there's waves around me. And he took his eyes off Jesus. So now we're going to look inward a little bit. Is there a chance that from time to time Jesus has given us everything we need to accomplish a task? And sometimes we surrender the proper tools he's given us to accomplish something that, um, that he's set before us. Is there a chance that, um, that we've surrendered and settled for something less than what we need? I'm a golfer. And when you golf, you know that there's a, a regulation. There are 14 clubs that you can carry around. And so I want you to entertain me for a second as far as humor me. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. You know, um, when you golf, you carry around 14 clubs, and each one of these clubs is for a particular task, right? <coughs> So my 7-iron is about 155 to 160 yards. Uh, and I have, you know, my pitching wedge through 3-iron and, and all of these different clubs to accomplish a different task, a different distance. So a good golfer will know that if they hit a particular, a particular club that they have in their bag well, it will go a certain distance. But it seems as if in this situation, the disciples have surrendered their entire bag of golf clubs and gone out golfing with a putter. And if you've ever golfed before, you'd know that that would be quite a difficult feat to, challenge, like to, to accomplish. Even completing one hole with a putter would be very difficult. You know, um, one of the things I see this working itself out in my life, and I'm sure your life too, is, is how we cope with stress. Um, I think oftentimes, many of us will turn to Netflix or to food or to video games or to alcohol to pro provide some level of comfort when Jesus is saying, I'm enough, come look at me. Come follow me. You don't need these numbing agents to deal with these issues in your life. You can actually... Press into me. I'm all you need. See, God is looking for a people who will hear him at his word and respond in faith. God is looking for a people who are going to press in after his heart, a people who aren't just after his benefits, but after himself. So we're going to read, we're going to continue on, uh, 43 to 45, and I'll reread it for you here. But while they were marveling at everything he, Jesus was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them, so that they might not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about this saying. While topically, and even in headings in our Bible, these two passages are divided and they're separated, um, they're really 
um, connected in a lot of ways. And even the transfiguration to this one, to this one, they're all very much connected in theme. See, the first section that we just went over, the disciples could not accomplish the works of Jesus because of their lack of faith. And then in this one here, 43 to 45, the disciples could not hear what Jesus was really saying because of their lack of faith. Jesus said, even says to them, let these words sink into your ears. Like, hear them. Listen up. <laughs> and here, I think, again, we see a window into the heart condition of the disciples. On Friday, I asked Martha, oh no, Martha asked me to put our dinner in the oven. So I already knew what that really entailed. That means, you know, taking off the saran wrap of our already made frozen dinner that we had made, you know, last Sunday. And set the oven to 350, put it in, and close the door. Right? That's it. So I asked Martha, what temperature should I set the oven at? Meanwhile, I already had this preconceived idea of what temperature I should set the oven to. 350. So... Martha said, set the oven to 400. Okay, now off I went. So I grab our dinner, put it in the oven, set the oven to 350, and start walking back to Martha. And then I thought, wait, did Martha say a different temperature? And I had no idea. Absolutely no idea. And this was like a minute ago. Yeah. Hardships of marriage. No. No. You know, there, there's a difference between hearing someone and hearing someone. Yeah. yeah. So when I went back to, to Martha's office, it's like, did you say 350? Nope, she did not. It was 400. So I walked back and, you know, I got a Fitbit, so it's helping me with my steps at least. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> at the top of Jesus' agenda was his appointment with the cross. And then the bottom of the disciples' agenda was Jesus' appointment with the cross. It actually took Jesus to rise from the dead before they really understand that Jesus needed to go to the cross. And I think oftentimes, I think we set plans in our life um, and we say, this is where I want to be in, you know, in 20 years, or this is, where I, this is what I want to be doing at this such and such a day. And God, would you bless that? And I think there's this level of, and this invitation that Jesus is, um, bringing us into that we actually need to, to turn off our preconceived notions about what we think he wants us to do and actually maybe just ask him and, and listen with what he wants to do. So, to wrap things up, Faith is the hinge on which both of these 
paragraphs operate. God is inviting his people into a deeper, more intimate faith. Even though Jesus was laser-focused on his appointment with the cross, he did not ignore or neglect everyone who's around him. And I think this really draws us and invites us into um, with how good God is, really. I think there's this element that um, in this passage that um, God realized that people do stupid stuff sometimes. It's like, God's, you know, it's like, Josiah, that was really stupid. Why did you do that? It's like, come on, <laughs> you know? Like, but it's never this shameful thing. God doesn't want to load us up with shame and, and like, self-loathing. Every time God illuminates something in our life, it's, a, it's an invitation for faith. It's an invitation for us to press in to more of him. God meets us in the mess that we've created. And he says, come, set your eyes on me. Give it another try. Get on your feet. You can do it. Some of us here today will be in the, life, in the place in our life where we're blissfully pressing on, going forward, ignorant of what God really has for us and what God really wants for you. And it might take running into a wall like the disciples did to hear of God's desire to have a relationship with you. But yet, after that, Jesus, you know, he invites his disciples to hear what I have to say. Let it sink in. You know, so maybe you don't need to run into a wall. Maybe you'll turn on your ears. Oh, that's a really cute thing my nephew does. His parents say, turn on your ears, and then he does this. Love it. <laughs> Maybe sometimes we need to do that too. Some of us have already ran into that while we were sprinting, and we came face to face with an issue, and we are now landed flat on our back. And you know, how God feels about that is, I mean... Sure, maybe you did something stupid. But also, maybe it's an invitation for you to, to get up and to press into more of what God has for you. He's asking you to get up and trust me. Eyes on me. You see, Jesus invites us to face crisis face to faith. Okay? Yeah. Ugh. Awkward joke. Bad joke. Maybe a cheesy one will help you. Face to faith. That's how Jesus invites us to face crisis. And some of us are already walking in that faith. Some of us are hearing what God wants you to do, and you're doing it. And God's excited about that. And the invitation is to keep going. Again, Jesus says, eyes on me. I'm blown away with just how good God is to his people. Like he, he just meets us where we're at. It's just his patience with us is just incredible. And he invites us to come after him. To leave our preconceived notions behind and to press in with faith. Let's pray.
Jesus, um, I thank you for this word. Um, you are uh, such a gracious father. And um, Father, wouldn't you just help us in our unbelief? Help us in the times in our life where we, we choose to go our own way. Father, if there are any of us in that, in that moment in our life where we're, we're pursuing our own thing, Father, um, I just pray ears for them to hear uh, your voice and what you're calling them to. Father, would you help us to keep our eyes on you, Father? Would you give us the faith? Because we know in Ephesians that faith is even a gift from you. But Father, there's this, um, this call for us to strive and to pursue after you. So Father, um, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the invitation for us to get back up and keep following you. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Take me home.